from the center of the universe and the home of your Grey Cup champion, Toronto Argonauts. It's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos pregame walkthrough brought to you by Something in the Water Brewing. My name is Ben Grant. He's JB, and we've got a huge episode for you today as we get you set for the Argos' first big test of the season. They take on the undefeated 3-0 BC Lions this Monday night at BMO Field. JB, before we get into this one and talk about all the things that we've got on the docket today, I want to tell you a little bit about something in the water brewing. They've got a location that couldn't be better for Argos fans. They're just steps from Lamport Stadium and from BMO Field. And I think I've got uh, the perfect occasion for you as an Argos fan. If you are in a situation where you can't get to Argos practice because they're almost always during the week, this week is a little different. Practice for Saturday is scheduled to be at Lamport Stadium. So that's a situation where if you're not working Saturday, you can go to practice at Lamport Stadium. You can wander down the street after practice, you know, finishes up usually about 1, 1.30. Go to something in the water. You can get yourself longboat on tap. You can talk to the very knowledgeable staff too about what you like in a beer. They will find something for you. It's really good stuff. Today, what I've got on the go is actually something that I introduced to you a few weeks ago. This is a Bugaboo Sparkling Hopped Water. Hopped water is non-alcoholic, which again, normally for me, I don't like from a brewery. This stuff is is really good. Highly recommend it. They'll recommend it to you too. If you go down and say, I'm looking for sparkling water, this is probably the first one they'll recommend for you because I've done that on a couple occasions and yeah, it's a, it's a winner every time. So uh, yeah, hopefully we can see you at, at something in the water, either after practice or before a game uh, one of these days soon. JB, we've got we've got PFF numbers to discuss. We've got special teams conversations to have. I want to talk a little bit about practice locations. Plus, we've got injury updates, game preview, OCDC, one thing, predictions, put me down for 20, and CFL picks. All that more is coming up on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. Okay, JB, let's talk about the PFF numbers first. So the Argos did really well PFF-wise this week. They actually had the the top score of all PFF-graded players. Uh, Royce Mechie, Toronto Argonaut, DB, safety, came in with 92.5. How much stock do you put in PFF grading? You've you've dealt with it with the NFL and now the CFL. What do you think um, of PFF? So, so, some. I don't think... I think like any statistic, um, you know, all, all, all statistics, you know, it's like quarterback rating. I mean, you look at the quarterback rating and, and last game, the Edmonton quarterback was, you know, 30% better than the Toronto quarterback. So sometimes, sometimes that the mathematical formulas don't necessarily translate to what you see, but, um, you know, I guess, I guess I take it as, um, as a sign to look deeper into something, I guess that's that's the most I can say. I I wouldn't say that I'm a big PFF guy, to be honest. <laughs> I like PFF in the grand scheme of things. I have disagreements game to game sometimes, and it's harder with CFL. We don't have access to the all twenty four tape. I'm sure they do in their grading, and so it's hard for us. Like we look at we look, like let's take Royce Mechie for example. We thought he played a great game but we can't see him half the time when we're rewatching on TV because he's just not on the screen. Whereas from the coach's film from the all 24, you can see what he did. And so you can more correctly grade him. I grade offensive linemen every week, but even that I can't, I don't have access to the tight film. Sometimes we get it on TV replays, but most of the time I don't. So sometimes I just have to take their word for it. They're knowledgeable football guys. They, they know what they're doing, but there is still some subjectivity to it. So I think, on the season as a whole, by the time you get to the end of the year, I do like PFF grades. I think there are some games where you're like, well, that's a that's a bit of a strange number that happens. But I, I like it as a, a gauge to sort of see whether or not we're on the same page as, as everybody else. Because, again, we I think we have a pretty good feel for how Argos players are performing. And to see that backed up is, yeah. I think, reassuring. Well, I mean, most of my experience is obviously just watching the NFL and then seeing PFF grades and... You know, sometimes I agree, sometimes I don't. I I take it to be more like uh, like draft time and you hear, you know, this group loves this player for this position in the draft. And you're like, okay, I, I don't disagree with you. But then somebody else will be like, no, we like this player for this position. So like, 
I don't I don't necessarily believe either is infallible. But I would say as a CFL tool, they are perhaps more valuable a resource because we can see the all 22 NFL film. And then you can you can say, look, they graded them this. And here's why I don't see that. We, we don't yeah, have that option. No, exactly. And I mean, so that's why, that's why I'm a them. little more circumspect about the CFL grades. But look, Mechie had a hell of a game last week. They said he had a hell of a game. You know, I, I'm on board with it. And some of the other guys, too, that, that we uh, thought played well, like, for example, Dylan Giffen I had as my as my player of the game, and he was the top-graded offensive lineman in the CFL last week. Yeah. And, you know, that that validates what we were talking about. A.J. Olette was the top-graded running back in the CFL. Darius Pickett was the top-graded linebacker. And, yes, they are calling him a linebacker. And so, you know, those things are on point. Like, we would agree. <laughs> are you sure, though, that... Uh, Maybe that's the wrong way to phrase this. What do you think of the fact that the Argonauts have so many positional leaders from last week's game? Is that a grain of salt because it's Edmonton? How how do you look at that? Um, well, it, it it confirms to me what I felt watching the game was that the score was not indicative of the domination of the game, where the score seems more like a a kind of wild shootout, but watching the game, it, it felt like Toronto was in charge and in every aspect. And uh, that, so it, it translates into what I saw as the game. I, I felt the score was, was generous to Edmonton. And I forgot to mention Dwayne Hendricks was the top graded defensive lineman. Yeah, Think about I that. Mean, like from the, in terms of the Argos defense, the Argos have the top graded D lineman linebacker and DB. Well, it, yeah, and to me, like when I was making my you know impulsive report card, um, it felt like the grades were really high for a game where the other team scored thirty one points. But uh, no, it, it it was that. I thought the Argos played very very well, and they dominated um, a not very good team from Edmonton. Where you won't see really high grades for the Argos from last week is special teams numbers. And I want to talk about I want to talk about special teams a little bit, JB, because Mm -hmm. if there's a hole on this team in terms of offense, defense, specials, it's obviously specials at the moment. The offense has performed well, steady. The defense has been great. Special teams, the the punting and kicking has been good. And we've seen individuals like Dan Adababoye who have played great. What is wrong with the coverage teams and the return teams? This is a conversation that goes back a couple of years now. How how do we fix this? What's going on with this? <laughs> uh, I I don't I don't know. Um, I thought last <laughs> if year, only someone had a podcast where they could tell us. Uh, well, I thought last year the uh, kick return and punt return on the whole was pretty solid. Um, it, the last couple of games, to me, the punt return and the kick return coverage has looked soft uh, in terms of closing down and 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 controlling that. So that that's not great. Um, I've I've given up worrying about the return game. I mean, they didn't return last year and they won the Grey Cup, so I'm I'm willing to pass that off. But uh, I'm I am a little concerned about the coverage game. It. it when I watch it, it, it it doesn't look like there are three and four people surrounding the returner. And I don't know whether that is because they're out kicking their coverage every time or the coverage is delayed getting downfield or the coverage is getting blocked and gaps are being opened. Um, you know, again, the 24 film would really be useful, but but they they are not setting nets around the returner the way other teams are to the Argos and the way, in my experience, uh, a kick coverage team should. So I, I, I don't know what the answer to that is, but a lot of times I see one gunner alone and a lot of space for returners to exploit. Yeah, I'm seeing it that way too. It it seems like the support isn't getting through the line uh, in terms of coverage. Like the gunners are often down there, but you can't it can't just be the two gunners down there on their own. Like they need you need to have you need to you need to have four guys around the returner. If you just have three and that happened on 
I think it was Edmonton's biggest return last year, CJ Sims, or last last week, CJ Sims caught the ball, looked up, and there were three guys, but one contained guy was really wide to one side, the other contained guy was tight, and then there's just one other Argo in the middle. And so for Sims, it's just pretty easy. He finds some space, just has to run past one guy, and it was wide open territory. There was no support. And so for me, I think you'd like and maybe the maybe the struggle is they don't want to cycle through people on the coverage team because they like what they're getting in protection. They're not getting punts blocked. And we remember a couple of years ago, that was a bit of a nightmare where week to week, you worried that someone was going to get through on the pump block. That hasn't been an issue at all. And so maybe it's just a case where Coach Donovan's saying, look, we don't want to jeopardize the protection. It's great. We're not going to switch up these guys here to, to see who can get downfield better. I don't know, but I don't know how you can just sort of accept it. Like, it, it frustrates me so much. I know they didn't do it well last year, the, the returning part, uh, but they did cover pretty well last year. And I, I'm just, I'm frustrated by that element of Toronto's game. I want yeah, to see and, that. Yeah, and I think, I think coverage is a bigger deal. I think returning is is fine. I've, I've, I've certainly been a part and I've seen teams where you get the ball and then you just simply have a longer field and in in the cfl uh it's not quite as drastic as say like an nfl team where you're constantly getting buried at your own five yard line i think the field position start is fine the the kick coverage is more worrying i think that is when you start getting into when you're when you're playing good teams you you can't keep letting the other team start at the 45 yeah i it's uh, field position yeah, it's so it's so odd in the CFL too. It, it it's it isn't everything. It certainly helps though. You see games where Toronto doesn't have any drive start in a, uh, the opposition territory, and it's a it's a longer haul in three down in three down football. I do think field position matters more, but you also have uh, a greater percentage of of boom plays that cover you know larger amounts of ground. So so those can you know, be a factor as well. But I, I just think it's something that. I want to see Coach Donovan continue to find guys that can do these jobs. And I, I think at some point you might have to risk. It's early in the season. You might have to risk protection in order to get better coverage downfield just to see someone else in there. Because I think the guys that are doing it right now are, are clearly not succeeding. Because as we saw last week, if that's if those CJ Sims returns are from a different team, not from Edmonton, who couldn't do very much offensively on their own without circus plays, then they're in trouble. And so I think now when the games aren't playoff clinching or playoff games or Grey Cup games, this is where you experiment with it. So I do want to see a little bit more mix in the rotation uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks. Practice locations are an interesting discussion topic for the Argos because the practice situation is so much better than it was years ago. The Argos did not used to have great practice facilities. They're in a pretty good scenario right now where most of the practices are at Lamport Stadium, which isn't far from BMO. They'll often uh, practice at Lamport Stadium throughout the week and then often do the walkthrough uh, at BMO and then play the, the home game at BMO. The Issue this week, which, and I want to see what you think in terms of how much of a disruption this will be, is they're in multiple locations. Lamport isn't always available. Sometimes something's going on, sometimes it's field maintenance or something like that. I don't know what the issue is this particular week. I know today's practice was at uh, Soccer World uh, out in Woodbridge, so that's quite a haul to get out there. And that was, I believe, because of the smoke that uh, that we've got around the city. The air quality is not good, and so they want to take care of the players, make sure they're not breathing that in during uh, during practice where they're running around. Um, and so you've got one practice in Woodbridge. Tomorrow's practice is at Centennial Stadium, which is in Etobicoke. That's another, again, that's about a 20, 20 minute drive from from where their their change room is, and then. Saturday at Lamport and then walk through at BMO. And so you're in four different locations in four days. And that just doesn't feel like a way to get into any kind of rhythm for this week. What's your thought on mixing it up like that and having to travel around for <laughs> two different fields? I, I was listening. I didn't know you had turned that into a question. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm I, okay with it. I mean, I, I think obviously it would be great if they had the one practice location and could be there all the time. I think that, I think 
uh, convenience and repetition are things that you want as a football team and change is often the enemy. Um, however, it might translate into a better road uh, team if you're used to have to, you know, constantly sort of be moving locations. There might be a trade-off there that maybe it gets you a little more malleable, a little more ready for new situations. I'm sure the players are, you know, a little bit uh, worn down by it. You know, you would like to be able to have, as a professional football player, the same field you practice on every day. But uh, I, it's okay for me. I don't, I don't see it being a huge problem. Um, but I think, like anything, I think if you were, you know, if, if they started zero and two, I probably would be banging the table more. But uh, you know, a two and zero. I think it it probably is they're used to kind of having to be on the move all the time. And it, it's not like it happens every week. The Almost all of the practices are at Lamport, but occasionally you have events on or something going on there. And like in, for example, as you near playoff time, they start putting up the bubble. And so that takes you out basically for a week while they set that up. And so that does move them. My dream, and I've said this for a long time, and this is not going to happen. There's no chance of this. But my dream for the Argos is for them to have, in a place like Lamport, the turf field, but also a grass field that they can practice on. And the reason I think this is so key is that the Argos have the only grass playing surface in the CFL. And I think that in itself is an advantage because other teams, especially a team like a team like BC, for example, who only comes to Toronto once a year at most, they just don't play on grass at all, ever. And so it is an advantage for you to have played on that surface. And they come in, they're not used to it, they're wearing the wrong cleats, they they're looking around for clipboards. They just haven't had to deal with this at all. And we've seen that firsthand from teams that that come to Toronto and are, are lost on the grass. And so I would like it to be even more of an advantage for Toronto by being able to practice on grass. It's also better in terms of wear and tear. Uh, Lamport's turf is actually not bad, um, but it nothing's quite like grass. So that's something that I would like to see them do. It's just that's it's not gonna happen. Not only it's not just a money thing, there's no space. I don't know where you would I don't know where you'd put that field. And there are no grass fields that are up to the standard that you would want for a professional football team anywhere near BMO other than BMO itself. So that's obviously not gonna happen. JB, we've got an injury update to go through here, looking at both teams. Uh, there's some interesting ones. Let's start with Toronto first. So we saw at the end of the Edmonton game, Isaiah Cage went down with what looked like a groin injury. And we worried because he'd missed some time in preseason for a groin injury. And so you hope that it wasn't the same thing. He's now listed as, it's listed as a thigh injury. And so maybe this is something different. Maybe it's tied together. And he didn't practice at all today. Uh, the good news on the O-line is that both uh, Darius Soraco was full and uh, Travion Tate was also full go. He had, uh, Travion was recovering from a knee injury. Darius had an ankle injury. Remember, he was a late scratch against Edmonton. Both of those guys look like they're going to go. Let's say Cage is not in this week. Do you plug in I, and I think I know the answer for this based on how you operate but do you plug in Tate <laughs> at left tackle keep everyone else the same or do you end up um, maybe maybe mixing it around a little bit more um, maybe you end up uh. sliding the line down a little bit and and you have Hunter playing left tackle and we know Dylan Giffen can fill in at guard after his performance last week how do you do this yeah I I mean, it's hard to say, like, in a kind of hypothetical way, because you'd have, like, if at practice I thought I thought Tate was okay, you don't need to be great at it, but, like, you know, you can't be a turnstile. Um, I guess that's really what it boils down to, is, like, I'm not I'm not that keen on, like, trying it and then changing it. Um, I, if, if they were not a turnstile, I would, I would start a Tate out there and keep everybody else in their correct position. Uh, I just don't know. I don't know what it looks like. That's a that's an elite position uh, to play, and it's you know it's tough to it's a tough ask for anybody to be plugged into that. So I guess you know I guess I would kind of equivocate here. I guess I would my my initial hope would be Tate with the backup plan ready to go, but I I do not like having. Um, you know, ch having to do changes without having practiced a lot of it. 
but uh, yeah, I, I hope Tate can. I mean, like if if you can have Tate out there and and they can and he can keep things rel you know relatively in control. BC's defensive line is is good, but I I wouldn't say um you know unstoppable. So yeah, I, I would I would start with him out there and hope that that goes. Yeah, I think that's my plan too. Like I I think Tate is the way you go, but I think you just like last week. I think you you end up dressing McKellar and Giffen. And so your line ends up being uh, Tate, Hunter, Sirocco at center, Nicastro at right guard, Allen at right tackle. Yeah, and then you de- you're definitely going to need a backup plan because um, I think you know for you know that Hunter can be okay out there, but then you sacrifice him, you know, so you, you do know you've got a decent plan if if it really is not working, you know your backup plan is is fine. I I just would like to try and go with the plan that is maybe a little more um you know, has a higher ceiling than that. And I think Tate does. Like we we've seen, you know, we've seen Tate enough. He's been around and in this offense for a while now. We haven't seen him for a little bit, mind you. So No, that's well, no, that's what I mean. I wasn't comment, you know, like I know he's done it. It's just you know, every year is another year, and you know it, that people are <laughs> people are coming around that corner really fast. Let's talk about the wide receivers. This is uh, a situation that I didn't really see coming. So, um, Cam Phillips did not practice with a thigh injury, and that I didn't really think was going to be a thing. Curly Gittins Jr. was limited with the hamstring. I I think I think you sit Curly Gittins Jr. this week. I think if he's limited today even though we're still several days away from the game, I just think being a hamstring, knowing how important he is to the team, I think you sit Curly at least one more week. But Cam Phillips not practicing at all with the thigh injury is concerning because now you're in a situation where they're probably going to have to not just start B.J. Bird, they started him technically last week in Edmonton, but actually play him every down. Like he's going to be, it's going to be Coxie and Daniels to the boundary side, and you probably have Bird, Brissett, uh, and uh, who am I missing? Oh, Unger, uh, Unger the third as the Z. And so those are your five that really never leave the field, and you're going to have to bring someone else up too uh, to um, to swap in. But that's not a great situation there. I do think that that waters you down a lot. So that was a concern to me seeing seeing Cam Phillips on the injury list. The good news in terms of DBs, Robert Priester was practicing. He's limited, but just to see him practicing tells you that he's probably a week or two away from returning and they don't need him at the moment. They're doing great at the moment, but we know how quickly that can change. And so to have him as a healthy body uh, would be huge. So that's the the status of Toronto's injury report. Some good news, some bad news. Oh, there's one important piece that I'm forgetting. This might be the most important piece of all. I don't... I can't believe I, I skipped over this. Uh, Jordan Williams. So Jordan Williams did not practice with a knee injury. He went down and initially when I was watching, I didn't notice him get injured. I noticed him coming out of the game, but I didn't realize there was an injury tied to it. It was right after the penalty that he received for a blow to the head on Taylor Cornelius. And that was the last time I saw him on the field. That was with about eight minutes left in the first quarter. I thought he was pulled because of the hit. I thought, well, maybe this is a discipline thing. They don't want flags of this nature. And and that's why he's out of the game. But on rewatch, it was actually two plays later. So on the, the play after that, uh, he ends up coming up limping on the Kevin Brown touchdown. He starts running towards the pylon where Kevin Brown is heading. He pulls up limping. And he stays on for the convert, but he doesn't really move and he gingerly walks off the field. And that was the last time I believe he was on the field um, last week. And so to see him not practicing today with a knee injury, uh, that's got to, that's got me thinking this is going to take some time and he probably won't be ready for this week. So what do you do at Mac? You've got Enoch that's still out for a couple games probably. What's your answer at Mac linebacker now? Yeah, and Jones played played pretty well um, against Edmonton. I I would think he he probably gets he gets in ahead of Kassar. Um I thought I thought he played well. Like you didn't you certainly didn't notice it, um, that Williams was gone, or at least I didn't. You know, watching uh, right away, which is a pretty good sign. 
I, I think they like him. I think he's been an underrated Argo. So I, I think they, they have a lot of confidence in Jones to uh, – he obviously he's not going to bring the same um, – you know, I guess uh, not, they haven't used it a lot, but I mean, I think he, you know, he's not he's not as good as Williams. I guess I, it's the simplest way to put it. But I think that Jones is pretty darn good at at getting his job done, and you still have two elite linebackers working with him. So I'm I'm okay. With, I'm okay with Jones here. The problem with going with Jones is it does mess up your ratio a little bit because now you've got. You, now you've got two Americans starting at linebacker. And so it means you're going to have to cover somewhere else. And so that is a bit of an issue. Now they can, they might have to work their way around that a little bit using that new rule with the the designated American rules and nationalized American rules where you maybe have Kassar start for a play and then Jones. No, they can't even do that because Jones hasn't been on the team long enough. It, it, you'd have to, you'd have to instead do it with, you could do it with McManus the other way around. There's, you have to get really tricky with that because that's not even going to work either now that I think about it. But it is going to create some problems, certainly. I, I don't know that Jones, like I prefer him as as a will, but uh, they, they did look fine. And I don't think we're going to see a ton of power running from BC and that would be really where you could catch them out a little bit. So I, I think it's going to be okay. But this was a real position of strength a few weeks ago when you were looking at Enoch Mwamba being backed up by Jordan Williams. Now having both of those guys potentially gone, uh, we wouldn't have thought that linebacker would ever be an area of concern this season. So it's it's a little unnerving that in the third game, you're starting to worry about who's playing in the middle. On the BC Lions side of the injury report, they've got a couple interesting ones. So uh, I think most concerning for the Argos is that Dominic Rimes uh, looks like he's going to be back. He practiced full today. He is one of the best receivers in the league. And, uh, you know, missing missing him last week didn't seem to slow them down. They still handled Winnipeg. But, uh, you know, you, it would be a much easier job for the Argos DBs if Rimes weren't yeah, on the field. I, that BC wide receiver, you know, when I was looking at it and watching them, like that BC wide receiver unit is, we talked about the Argo depth, but... Um, that is a very good collection of wide receivers. If, 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 you know, if they are all healthy, if, if they can get them all playing at the same time, um, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, having Whitehead and, and Hollins and, uh, and you don't even, and Keon Hatcher too, right? Yeah, like he's, he's a, been injured. It's a lot to deal with now, you know, and Vernon Adams seems to have like very much. I mean, they have a great they have a great offensive strategy. They get double digit targets for their star receivers. Um, it's a it's an offense that a star receiver would love to be a part of. It's really well balanced. Yeah, I don't get ahead of myself, but it, they're a problem. <laughs> you know, I I think they are uh, the best. I think it is it is to me the best offensive unit in in the CFL. And they just have trouble staying on the field. And that's the issue. And again here, Lucky Whitehead appeared on the injury list this week. He's He didn't practice today with a hamstring injury. We just talked about receivers and hamstring injuries. If you got Lucky Whitehead not practicing on a Thursday with a hamstring injury, you have to wonder if he's going to play. And so it could be that Rhymes is ready to come back. Keon Hatcher, who's on the sixth game, he practiced full today too. They may actually pull him from that, especially if Whitehead doesn't go. I wouldn't be surprised to see Keon Hatcher in there um, because they realize the importance of this game as well and to try and create some space between themselves and Winnipeg also. So that that's I think the receiver room is really interesting to me. We'll have to see who ends up dressing for BC there. But I, I think Rhymes for sure is going to play I do kind of think Hatcher is going to play too, and I kind of think Whitehead won't. So we'll see what happens if all three go. That's going to that's going to create some problems, obviously. Oh, I know. I mean, honestly, like you look at that team, and the you know they have Adams playing really well within a system, but you can see why they were unstoppable when they had Rourke. And you know, if 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 those three can go and be healthy. Uh, there is there isn't a game plan for stopping three people in in my experience researching football you don't you don't have you don't have it there is there isn't one 
Well, we'll we'll, we'll see, I guess. Um, no, but... <laughs> you don't. No, they're they're well, they're going to score forty. We better score fifty. That, the other... is, that is the page that you look to when you have three elite wide receivers on the other team. Yeah, you you do have to put a, put a points in response. Uh, the other injury that's interesting is Smoke Mizell, uh, the running back for the BC Lions. He has looked excellent in the first three games for BC. He's got a knee injury, didn't practice today, and they've made some roster moves as well, which kind of make you think, like if I'm reading the tea leaves, I think they believe that Mizell will not be playing this week. And I don't know that, but usually if you've got a sudden injury at that position and suddenly guys are being brought in at that position, that's an indication. And uh, because they're really thin roster-wise, they just don't have a lot of guys like Keenan LaFrance, they've got, and he's pretty new. He just came in a few weeks ago. And they just added Sean Shivers, five uh, seven one eighty five. Uh, he's an Auburn guy. Yeah, they're and, they're thin. They are thin back there for sure. Yeah. So like I I don't know. I think that is a little bit of an advantage because BC's running game with Mizell was dangerous, and you saw how Winnipeg had to compensate for that, and that left receivers open downfield. So if Toronto can make them maybe a bit more. It's not even Toronto making them. If if these injuries make BC a little bit more one-dimensional, that's obviously going to be a, a plus for Toronto. Let's get into the game preview. Uh, this is this is a big game, is it not? It's 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 Monday Night Football, kind of. It's uh, it's an undefeated Lions team, undefeated Argos team. The knock the Argos are getting right now, and the reason the BC Lions are currently three and a half point favorites as we record this is because people look at who BC beat and who Toronto beat and say, well, these, yes, they're both undefeated teams, but I feel like Toronto's getting a little bit of the Montreal Alouettes treatment. They are also undefeated, but they beat Ottawa and Hamilton. Toronto beat Hamilton and Edmonton. It is is definitely definitely Toronto's biggest test to date. Um, In terms of, you know, the quality teams in the league, um, you know, you see it over, you know, that it looks like Hamilton and Edmonton are probably not going to be playoff bound. So this is a playoff team. um, And so, yeah, and Toronto's at home. So, yeah, I think that it is. um, Well, I mean, it's, you know, again, it's, it's, it's the third game, so I wouldn't say it's huge, but. I think for the team and their sense of who they are, this is there. There is no doubt this is a big test because you are now playing a playoff team for the first time. And I think it's a bigger game for Toronto because BC already had a test. They had a huge test last week. That they beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Yeah, they're they're traveling to Toronto. Toronto is not in their division. I I agree. It's bigger for Toronto. And for Toronto, if they lose this game, like right now, when you look at power rankings, whether it's Three Down Nation or from the CFL or whoever's doing them, you look at power rankings, most people have Toronto right now two or three. And if Toronto loses this game, they're going to drop down to five or six. If they win, they will be everybody's number one, I think. I don't think you can really question is that. that. A, so, is that a teaser for our upcoming post week four power rankings? Maybe. We'll have to, we'll have to take a look at that. But, and... You know, not to feed a fed horse, but uh, the first the first seven games are really crucial for Toronto to do as well as possible. Uh, Toronto's at home for a lot of them, or they're you know they're they're coming off a bye, very favorable matchups um, in terms of circumstances, and then Toronto goes on like a two month voyage around the world for some reason all summer. Um, so I don't, I don't know if they're planning on like turning BMO into a different stadium or something, but you know, it's a long time. They're, they're hardly home at all this summer, which is a topic for another day. But so I, I do think it, it is important to get the wins that you can in the first seven games, because the last half of the schedule is tough. After this BC game, they're not home again for a month. They have... They have a, the home game is is in Halifax, and then it's got you know road games. Yeah, on, but like they're not like they, they they're basically like I've, I've had people ask me like are are they renovating BMO? Is is you know what? I, I don't know. I don't know why Toronto would be on an eight week uh, trip, but there you go. Yeah, they need to get this down, and like we've seen going the other way, we know how difficult it is for Toronto to travel to BC and 
yeah. and, and play. Yeah. They do horribly I, I, there. You have to return that. This is a big win. Yeah, you want to get this win for sure. You want to bank this win. It's time for OCDC. All right, JB, I will start it off with the, we'll do the BC Lions first. I'll start it off with the offensive side of the ball. So if I am the offensive coordinator for the BC Lions, my plan this week is going to be as follows. So I'm going to assume that, I'm going to assume that Mizell is not going, because I really don't think he's going to. But even if he was, running wouldn't be a big part of my attack strategy today, at least not from running backs. I don't mind the idea of getting Vernon Adams outside the pocket. In fact, I will play into that quite a lot. I think I want him on the move. I think I want him really uh, putting corners and flats defenders in conflict where he is rolling out looking to pass but if flats defenders are bailing downfield and are, are clouding guys then I want him to be able to to go and run with it we've seen how effective he can be doing that so that's one thing I want to be doing as the BC Lions the other thing is I want a quick passing game Toronto's front is dangerous. We've seen it the last couple of weeks. They've got a stacked line. I expect Sean Open to be back in there too. He's going to be looking to make an impression for sure. I don't want Vernon Adams standing in the pocket for very long. So it's going to be a lot of quick stuff and you've got the receivers to take advantage of that. I also think Toronto's corners are going to be playing off, giving guys like, like Rhymes and if Whitehead's out there, some room, Hatcher, some room because of how dangerous they are downfield. You see the film and, and Winnipeg was obviously terrified of the stuff over top. They're playing way off. So capitalize with bubble screens, with quick screens, with with quick outs and let your receivers be athletes and go make plays. So that's going to be the focus of my offensive plan. Short passes to the outside, get Adams rolling to the outside for your deeper concepts, guys coming all the way from across the field and really challenge those flats defenders to be disciplined in their job. JB, what's your defensive plan for the BC Lions? Uh, if, I'm, if I'm coming into to Toronto, I think that for sure I want to take away the run. I think that the team is is leaning on the run for confidence, is leaning on the run for for getting uh, you know short yardage and and down looks. So I'm I'm looking to stop the run. I'm looking to be all over running backs, releasing out of the backfield. Um, I'm going to I'm going to you know basically run blitz if I have to. Uh, I want to take away that run from Toronto. I think that it is something that if we're BC, we can take away. And I'm going to put the ball in Chad Kelly's hands and have him beat me. So I, I really want to concentrate on taking that run away and see if if Kelly can matriculate down the field, you know, eight, ten play drives, uh, get first downs without being second and five, um, where the defense is really now not quite sure what you're going to do. I That would be me. I'd be all over the, the Toronto running backs and really work to – to keep that box crowded switching over to the good guys i i think there's i think there's some real opportunities here i wish i wish so much that i had healthy receivers to work with here you know missing missing gittens jr potentially cam phillips ambles is already out like three starting guys from a unit that already felt kind of one guy short coming into this season i think is potentially going to catch up to Toronto this week and hopefully one of those well it's not going to be Ambles uh, but hopefully um, Gittens Jr. or Phillips can go my plan needs a jet guy I, I need to run jet sweeps and fake jet action and if it's not going to be if it's not going to be Gittens Jr. or Phillips maybe it can be Unger I know they like to have him sort of as a split end like on the line and so that's not usually going to be your jet guy but they certainly have enough variety in their formations that they can move guys around and they can have Unger or motion that's probably what I want one of BC's strengths is um, Matthew Betts has been a monster so far this year uh, coming off the end. He's a, a defensive end um, who has just been sacking quarterbacks uh, seemingly every snap. I want to I want to take advantage of how wide his path has been because 
while he's a, a really good pass rusher, he does sometimes get frustrated and take a really circuitous route to the quarterback to create pressure. There's a gap that you can run off there. And so I want jet action coming across towards him to tighten up his path. So it'll make him a less effective pass rusher. And if he is going to go wide, then you can call those jets and turn them up through that gap instead of having to seal bets and and look to sort of uh, seal and climb to the next level and have have Unger go around, ride him out almost like you would for a draw and have Unger turn up through the middle there. So I want this to start off with my attack. I want to start off with a jet package, but I, I just don't know. You can run it with <sighs> Leaf. I think he'd be the right guy to, to run it too, but I just don't know how personnel-wise they're going to find a way to make that work. But I really like that as a plan I just wish I had Ambles to do it with or Gittins Jr. The next yeah, thing, I mean, oh, sorry, like, go, on, go on. For sure. Like BC has not been a sack. I mean, they've sacked Winnipeg like crazy. I don't, I don't, you know, so maybe this is going to be the new normal for them. Um, yeah, it is an issue, you know, if you're going to have him, um, you know, if you're going to best line up over, over the left tackle. Uh, that that definitely complicates things, and you're probably going to have to leave running backs in to max protect a lot more. Uh, yeah, that's going to be that's going to be a challenge. The last part of my plan, I don't, I don't think they have anybody to run the jet. I could already see myself writing on a pad of paper, Unger or Jet. No. <laughs> well, I think I think Leak probably is <laughs> like Leak's great at it, but how do you? The thing is, where do you? Put them. How do you have them lined up? They've done it before. Like we saw a little bit. Yeah. I think that was Leak last year that was running some jet. But it's you know that's that's what you've got to figure out. And Coach Dinwiddie, I'm sure he's already got answers for that and has already thought that through. But I I do like that as a as a way to to keep bets being less trouble. But I think you can also take advantage. The other area I want to take advantage is BC's linebackers. Uh, so Ben Hladik, who is playing middle linebacker, he's done a great job. He's the reason that uh, that they felt they could move Jordan Williams. I know he requested uh, to be moved as well, but they felt they could do it because Hladik had played so well. Where I think there is vulnerability there, I love him as a run stopper. I think he's a step slower than some of the other guys Toronto has gone against in terms of fanning out. And so I think with use of play action, you can you can create some space in the middle of the field. You can find some room between the linebacker level and the safety halfback level with play action. And so I want some quick digs from the receivers that they have that are really good at doing that. Like that's something that I want to see Brissette doing. That's something I want Daniels to doing coming into that void that's vacated by the middle linebacker when he bites on play action because he will come in hard. He's a great run stopper. He's a big body, but I just think he has trouble fanning out after taking his read steps. So those are the two areas I want to try and exploit if I'm the Argos this week. What is your defensive plan for the Toronto Argonauts, JB? Uh, to stop BC. <laughs> and do you have uh, do you have a plan for this? I, well, I'm I, plan one is Whitehead being hurt, <laughs> and so that seems to be working well. Um, I think looking at it, they're like honestly, they're very well balanced. I mean, they are more pass than run. So the pass is, is clearly, I think, the primary concern. Um, you know, the book used to be on Adams that he would throw a terrible deep ball and you just had to kind of be patient enough to wait for it. Um, uh, if I'm – they throw the ball deep to Rhymes a lot. Um, so certainly that's terrifying. But I think as a defensive coordinator, you have to live with that terror. And if I'm Toronto, I'm looking to – to make sure that he, that Adams is not getting out for free first downs in terms of the rush, you know, keeping lane discipline and, you know, occasionally blitzing. But if you're not blitzing, keep your lane discipline. Do not, you know, like if you're not blitzing, don't blitz, you know, <laughs> keep your lane discipline, make sure you're making a pocket and then close that pocket around Adams so he doesn't get out and get a free 15. And I'm I'm all over that short passing. I, w- I want Adams to throw the ball deep. And I know that might be a terrifying request. And if Rhymes has three touchdowns, then I will I will take my beating. But uh if I'm the defensive coordinator, I'm I'm I want to take away that underneath stuff. I want to take away those 
those shorter passes and and force Adams to be, you know, can he be six for eight over 25 yards? Maybe. Uh, the numbers don't show that yet. And that's hard to be that consistent throwing a deep ball. I, I would rather live with that than what he's been able to do, which is be a very professional, productive quarterback. I think I think you got to pick your spots when you rush them. You definitely do have to rush them, but that the 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 sort of 15 yards and in passes, you can't just give them that free stuff. You can't let them be like free, free, free. And then occasionally he's taking these bingo shots. I would I would make him throw those deep shots more often. I think that that in the end, if he throws 15 deep balls, I think that's a win for the Argos. As terrifying as a plan. I get what you're saying. I, but we've, because we've seen, we've seen a lot of the time he won't be able to throw. Well, luckily my job is not on the line. Yeah, I know. I know <laughs> but, it's much easier. But that's what I, I'm, that's what I would come in. I want to, I want to, I want to do that. I want to like let, let those DBs do what they do deep and like, you know, they're talented and I trust them. Yeah. And it, it we've seen, we've seen games where, Adams does connect on a ton of deep balls, but it certainly doesn't happen every week. It's it's a it's much harder it, pass to complete. It's a lower. It's a, I mean, it is. You see the percentages. It's much much lower when you're over twenty yards. It's just the nature of it. I I want to ha- draw him into that. Like take those deep shots, and I I can live with that. I I can't live with him being seventy percent percentage completion. Um, they'll just chip you away. They just have too many. You know, I think it's too hard. You just have to choose, and I'm going to choose to to live and die by the deep ball. OCDC is brought to you by the Business Barbershop and Spa. They invite you to experience Etobicoke's premier licensed men's grooming lounge for hair, face, and body care. They're celebrating 10 years in the Kingsway. And if you book a service, you will be entered into a draw for a $200 gift card. All you have to do is mention Argo's All About the Business. And, uh, you know, this is... This is something we just talked about. We had one of the most risky sounding OCDCs ever. Uh, going to the business barbershop and spa is never a risk. Uh, you always come out with a great haircut. Um, it's a, you know, you need a haircut. You you want to shave. You want to just go somewhere and relax for a little bit. Have a drink while you're at it. The business barbershop in, and spa. Uh, look them up. They're in the Kingsway. Uh, you will not regret it. JB, let's move on to one thing. Uh, one thing this week. I'll start it off. I want to see a Devaris Daniels game. We saw DeMonte Coxey just take off in the first game of the season. Last week, it was the Canadians, Brissett and Unger with huge games. The receiving core is banged up. They need their, their, their group captain uh, to step up this week. And so I want to see a 100-yard game from Devaris Daniels. That is my one thing this week. They need it. It's time for him. He can do it. He hasn't had to yet. He has to this week. What is your one thing, JB? Um, well, I was, yeah, I was I was pretty happy with my one thing last week that went that worked really well. Uh, I think I'll, I'll go with the defensive one. Was, um, was your one thing last week a defensive score? I, yeah, I doubled up on that. Oh yeah, that's nice. That, that was good. In fairness, um, I I think for me. I think McManus is really coming along. He looked pretty close to 100%. He is absolutely an intimidating factor. I would love to see McManus have uh, – I'll, I'll go with one. I'll go with one quarterback sack. I'd love to see them send McManus, um, and I would love Adams to to be looking for McManus coming through one of those gaps. I think that's a very different a different dynamic. So that's, for me, Winton McManus, uh, quarterback sack. And I think the earlier in the game that happens, the better, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah, I love it. A-gap coming through, A-train. How's this one going to end, JB? What is your prediction for Lions well, at Argonauts? Well, at the danger of being called a homer, uh, I, I do think the Argos at home beat BC. I think the Whitehead injury and the running back injury take a bit of the steam out of what is quite an offense. Uh, I Even though the Argos are down a few players too, I think that the Argos win a close one. I think they're, they're the fans, the, the vibe at home is good in close games. Uh, I like the Argos 28-24. Uh, 
my i that's the exact same score i have 28 24 but mm. why <laughs> you say that a lot i think we should exchange <laughs> scores before so we don't have this i'm not trying to all right it's physical so, dance yes it, it doesn't make me feel better to have the score that you picked <laughs> based on your record and my record but well i'm, I'm perfectly fine with my record currently so yeah, I have 28-24, but for a slightly different reasons, I guess. I, I'm not sure who the better team is between BC and Toronto. I don't know if we know that yet. I don't know if there's enough data yet. I think I think BC is a very good football team. It takes a very good football team to do what they did to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers last week. And so this isn't a game that I'm really confident in Toronto with, but I do think they're going to win for a couple of reasons. One, Toronto plays really well at home. Home field is a big advantage at BMO. It's a very loud stadium. I know Toronto always gets knocked for having the lowest attendance in the league. It never sounds like it. And that attendance is growing. They drew really well for the opener without the help of Ticats fans. I expect there to be a pretty good crowd there on Monday. And I know it's going to be a loud crowd. I also know they're playing on grass. That's a, a difficult thing for BC. And BC is playing their second game in two weeks on the road. That takes its toll. It's really tough. If you look at numbers, you look at the second leg of back-to-backs that teams play, whether it's NFL, CFL, in Europe, that second game is really tough for the road team. It's exhausting. Teams often, when they're on the road, they'll often fly out that night after the game is done. They go often right from the right from the stadium to the airport, fly back home. And they just did that from Winnipeg all the way back to BC. You have a few practices back on a plane, flying out across the country to Toronto. It, it takes a toll on you. Also, the emotional level that they were at last week, they had to be up here to play the Blue Bombers. And it's really tough a week later to get right back there again in week four of a season. This is not the playoffs. It's not the same thing. And so I think, I don't think you're going to see the game you saw the Lions play last week. I think they're going to be a little bit flat. I think Toronto is going to take advantage in the first half. And like we've seen in the other two Toronto games, BC will come back, but I think they're going to fall short. So 28-24 Argos beat the Lions. It's time for Put Me Down for 20. And before we get into Put Me Down for 20, I want to remind you that while gambling can be a fun way to enhance your sports viewing experience, it's important to do so responsibly. Set a budget, never bet more than you're happy to lose. And if you or anyone you know develops a problem with gambling, you can always call the Ontario Problem Gambling Helpline, 1-888-230-3505. Let's do a tally, JB. We are both in the black here. We're doing well so far. I am sitting, we started with 200 golden fleeces. Uh, I'm currently sitting at just a little bit over 218 golden fleeces. Plus I've got, uh, we both got bets um, in the bank still, uh, futures bets. And you are sitting at 204 golden fleeces. You had a huge win last week <laughs> to bring you back. You had the the Argos scoring a defensive touchdown at plus 330, and that one cashed in. My win from last week was Saskatchewan plus 140. Um, and so, yeah, we're we're in a good spot. We're we're playing with house money, and we've got uh, a bet in the bank. So, how are you spending your 20 golden fleeces this week, JB? Uh, probably same in that one, one kind of reasonable, even though I go 10 and 10, I kind of one, one more reasonable than the other, which is not <laughs> the way sharps play it, but I don't care. I'm not a sharp. Um, for me, I think my, my Argos based, I went back and forth on this one. Um, I had a parlay too. I, I do think my Argos based bet is, uh, Argos to score first and win. I feel better about that. Right, it's a plus. It's plus two twenty. Plus two twenty. And I, I just Argos feel, I feel better about that. I like when the Argos score first. They do almost always win when they score first. Um, I think that's, I think that's decent juice for, for not as much of a stretch as maybe the parlay. All right. So Argos score first and win for plus two twenty. And what are you doing with your other ten and golden And my other one, God help me, in a game I definitely will not watch the Elks versus Ottawa, my nemeses playing each other. Uh, I do have Kevin Brown first touchdown score plus six hundred. That's a huge number for Kevin. It Brown. is a huge number, and that game is a huge waste of time. <laughs> I, I'm I'm watching it with. Well, I watch every game anyway, but. I'm watching this one with interest because of just the 
the fun of these streaks. They both can't win at home. Somehow Edmonton turns into a good team on the road. Ottawa really should be Edmonton, I think, but I don't think they're going to. We'll get to that when we get to our picks. And just, you know, seeing that all come down and 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 the the magic that will be Edmonton, Ottawa. I just can't wait to see whoever loses is going to do it in spectacular fashion. And I'm here for that. With my uh, bets for this week, uh, my Toronto bet is sim- a really simple one. It's straight up. And in fact, I'm actually involving Toronto in both of my bets this week in some way. So my Toronto bet is Toronto plus 145, just straight up. Um, I-, I like them to win this game. We both picked them to win this game. I think 145 is a really nice price for that too. So I'll put 10 golden fleeces on that. And then I'm going to have a parlay that involves both Toronto and Winnipeg. So Winnipeg currently sits at minus five and a half. I'm going to parlay that with Toronto at plus 3.5. A little bit more juice on Toronto at plus 3.5, but that's where they're currently sitting. Uh, And so uh, that that will take up my, my other 10 golden fleeces. So that's my bets for this week. All right, JB, CFL picks. Let's go through them. Last week, you were one and three. I was two and two. Not a huge week for either of us. I'm seven and five on the year. You are six and six on the year at 500, which would have been fantastic for you last season. So let's see if you can... <laughs> take 500. The Sharp will take 500 all day. This is These are straight up. There's no spread. <laughs> you got to go three and one every week or it's a bad Well, week. I'd like to see what they are against the spread. I'd need to see those numbers, first of all. So let's... Um... Let's go through our picks for this week. So Edmonton at Ottawa, uh, the game that you will not be watching. Who do you have? Uh, right. In the game, I I will not watch. I am uh, going to choose Ottawa. I think that Edmonton is turmoily at the moment. And turmoil and lack of cohesion and a lack of talent equals the season on fire. <laughs> so I don't think Ottawa season's on fire yet. I think they get a win. Yeah, I I agree with you. If Edmonton loses, their season's on fire. If they win, maybe you start like if if Daigie plays well, they start to build something maybe. But yeah, I don't know. They're they're looking like they're in a mess, you know. And they they lose their star receiver for at least six weeks. Um, they they may be in trouble, and they've already like who knows what's happening at quarterback. Who knows what the room is like too. All that said, I I like that. Edmonton secondary having watched them closely last week I think they're pretty good both teams have question marks at quarterback I think Daigie might be the better quarterback between the two I think Edmonton's defense is better I don't I don't feel at all confident with this but I am taking Edmonton Winnipeg at Montreal uh where are you gonna go for that one I like Winnipeg I like Winnipeg to come in and be uh an angry bear um, I know Montreal is is good at home and Montreal has improved. I think Winnipeg did not have a fun week of practice. They got not just beaten but embarrassed at home. I would I would not put any golden fleeces on the Montreal Alouettes. Neither would I. And they may make me look foolish, um, just like BC did last week. I felt like Winnipeg would beat BC and they got torched. Uh, I think Winnipeg's going to win by 20. I think this is going to be a blowout game. And so, yeah, I have the Bombers. And we both have the Argos. This is a, this is a short week. Can, can I just vent about this for one second, JB? Mm-hmm. It, is, it is Canada Day weekend. And there are three CFL teams on a bye this week. There is no Sunday game. It's Toronto Monday night. And then you've got a Friday night and a Saturday night game. Canada Day long weekend should be a weekend filled with CFL activities and CFL fun it should be a game every day with maybe a double header in there. I don't even know if you need to have anyone playing Monday, but if they do, have a Monday afternoon game on a holiday like that. I, I hate stuff like this. You've complained for years about not taking advantage of the Major League Baseball All-Star break. For me, I want Canada Day to be a huge celebration of Canadian football. It pairs so beautifully together. So that's my little vent of frustration well, from this. I mean... On a, on a, I guess a former site before it was all deleted. Certainly, we made the argument for the Canada Day, you know, football day in Canada. Um, 
you know, why not? Why not kind of embrace this a little more? They they still have not done a football day in Canada for us. They still have not done a Major League Baseball All-Star game for us. Uh, it makes no sense to not have the game Sunday night, especially when you had the game last week as Sunday night. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't... I, I, I get... I assume... Like, I can't imagine what TSN said. What Like, there's nothing on july 2nd i I don't know who they're i don't know who they're preempting for well we don't know if this came from tsn we don't know if it came from the teams we don't know if it just came from the league but it just seems like it seems like a mistake someone has made here it's canada day long weekend have canadian football and i i like the like the monday night game i like the idea of that experiment with that the cfl's doing that this summer they've got all sorts of different times to try out and see how they rate and last week's sunday night game actually did really well i think they were over four hundred thousand. i think i saw on three down nation for the uh, edmonton toronto game on sunday night great try that out see if that works with some consistency try monday night but not this weekend this weekend you know it's canada day have have four games have a fun double header make a show of it all and for that not to happen yeah uh, i find no, frustrating. I makes no sense Hopefully we will see you all down at BMO Field Monday night. It's going to be a really good one. Get your tickets. It is the best deal in the city to go and watch the Toronto Argonauts at BMO Field and to play the BC Lions. These last couple of games against the BC Lions have been really good ones. I expect this one to be too. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya. Fight the f-